Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you. Why? Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Scott's making a list. Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. The boys are back and happy new year. I decided to keep the Christmas theme going because you know what? The 12th day of Christmas isn't until the 5th of January anyway, so I kept it going. And you know what? It's just me today, so Grant couldn't tell me any differently. I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Everyone came through the holidays safe, uh, disease-free, you know, Uh, it was a very different holiday season for a lot of us. I hope you were still able to spend time uh, time with your loved ones and family, and uh, I appreciate you guys coming back. It is a new year. 2021 is here. Uh, You know, it was a wild, crazy year in 2020. Hopefully the uh, vaccines are starting to get distributed. Hopefully we can get back to a full stadium and Bill Snyder family stadium this fall. Hopefully we don't have to have too many uh, worries when it comes to sports or in the personal life. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. We have, you know, the uh, K-State game uh, versus TCU didn't go great. We have some football news coming up. Um, you know, it's, 
it's never it's never a dull time when it comes to you know doing a podcast about college sports. Before we get into talking a little bit about K State hoops, it's a new year, but we still have the exact same great name sponsor, and that is Bet Online, guys. It is the new year. One of the best gambling weekends of the year is upcoming. That's Wild Card Weekend in football. And since the NFL added an extra playoff spot, that means there's an extra wild card weekend game to gamble on. So get over to Bet Online today. Use promo code ARMCHAIR for your welcome bonus so you can gamble on all that great NFL wild card weekend uh, action. If you send me a bet slip from Bet Online, I will send you a Bosco's Boys koozie. And I still have some Christmas cards, so I will send you a Christmas card as well. You can consider it a late Christmas card or a very early one. I don't care. But if you send me your bet slip over at Bet Online, I'll send you a Bosco's Boys koozie. Uh, and yeah, I mean, before we start talking about uh, the K State versus TCU game, getting over to Bet Online, use promo code ARMCHAIR. Uh, wild card weekend is going to be a wild one in the NFL. I don't like expanding playoffs, but it does give you that extra game. I mean, I think if you're going to do it, you might as well go all the way, get eight teams, no buys. But, you know, as a Chiefs fan, I'm pumped that they got the buy. I'm recording this before. Uh, they're basically using Week 17 as a preseason game. It's a fun time to be a Chiefs fan. That does help numb some of the pain from K-State basketball. We'll, we'll just get right into it right now. Um, it was a disappointing game. You lose to TCU by seven. Uh, if you look at Ken Palm and some of the prediction metrics, prediction analytics, this was one of the probably like last three games that you had the best shot to win. So losing that game at home um, really is disheartening. You know, you, you were on a good run. You had won four out of your last five, uh, the loss coming to Baylor, and we all remember how embarrassing that game was. So I woke up Saturday morning, like, pretty excited. I was I was excited to see K-State basketball play. I thought this was a game they were going to get a win for. Um, but, you know, this team just isn't good enough to get down as much as they, they did. I think they started the game, uh, and TCU hit – I don't even know what it was, their first 12 two-point shots. And K-State's offense just, you know, just wasn't there. It, it was it was horrible. Uh, they weren't hitting anything. And it's not like it really ever heated up. But, you know, you get down 18 very early in the first half. And, again, you, you have to give them credit. They got back within 10 before halftime. But, yeah, it was 29 to 11 with seven minutes left. Um and 26 to 9 with 8 minutes left. So it's just you can't get down. This team is not good enough to get down and it really makes you start to wonder and worry if if Bruce Weber is going to be able to survive this. I think he does. I think that the pandemic hit K-State's athletic department pretty hard. I don't know if the money is there to buy out Bruce Weber even if you wanted to. But it is disheartening uh, because you start looking at the schedule, and if you're not going to beat TCU at home, I know the announcers kept trying to pump TCU up to be this team that's you know awesome and all that type of stuff. But they're they're not great. I mean, 
you're you have Texas Tech and Oklahoma State uh, the next two games. I don't think you get either one of those. Uh, Oklahoma State is just too talented, even though they're young, and Texas Tech is legitimately good. Then you have Iowa State and Texas, and then Oklahoma. You have to get two out of those three, and it's not going to be Texas. And then, and then again, it's West Virginia, Baylor. You're not getting either of those. You got Texas A&M. I don't know enough about them. But then you have KU, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State again, KU. Then you get TCU, Oklahoma, and then you finish with West Virginia. I mean, even if you're trying to be optimistic, what, what do you say? You split with Oklahoma State. You sweep Iowa State. You split with Oklahoma. You get one versus TCU. Again, that's what, five, six wins that sucks i mean that's not good that's and it's disappointing because you it's fun to watch some of these guys you have fun players on this team i still get excited to watch k-state play but it just gets exhausting and disappointing uh to see them lose all the conference games and we we saw it all last year last last year there was no you know silver lining to take there there was nothing with this team, you at least see the graphics. You know, K-State has the second most true freshman starts in the country. They have all this talent that's going to be coming back, and you can see them improving. But continuing to lose in two seasons in a row, of it is, it's tough. I've said it on the show. I'm not going to fight with people on Twitter if they want to say they want Bruce Weber to leave. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I'm going to get there. But you you can't blame people. If you're going to have back-to-back last-place finishes, K-State as a program is better than that. And we've seen what Bruce Weber can do. We've seen the highs that he can take us. Elite Eight, two Big 12 championships. I get it, but man, can you really give a guy back-to-back last-place finishes in the Big 12? or even back-to-back, you know, bottom two finishes in the Big 12. I don't know. I'm not going to cause a stink if they fire him. I, 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 It's not quite to the point where I'm going to try to come up with my own personal hot board of who I want to see be the next head coach. But, man, it sucks. It sucks to see. I'm, I'm not there yet. I know I, – I think I'm in the minority. I think we are back to a point where the majority of K-State fans would like to move on from Bruce. I'm not there yet. Um, and, and probably that brings my own biases into it because once I finally got to meet the guy and be around the guy so much, uh, I really liked him. And, I, and as much as I, as I continue to interact with his staff, I love his staff. So I'm probably not being an impartial person. Uh, I, I think that uh, next year they're going to be back in the tournament. I just think that it was a perfect storm of shit, basically, that you have this young team, you weren't able to have a normal offseason for them, so they started off farther behind the eight ball than they should have. But that doesn't excuse. You should be able to roll the ball out against a Division II team and beat them by 10 no matter what the circumstances are, and it didn't happen. So uh, I'm going to leave that speculation for, I'm sure, later on the season. I'm sure that as the season goes on, and, and it's weird because of how they scheduled everything, and I know that they did it, because they wanted flexibility on the back end. But, like, we only have, I mean, I guess, what, 16 games left in the season? The regular season isn't stretching into March. And, again, I know they wanted the flexibility on the back end to make some games up before 
the Big 12 tournament. Uh, but it is weird to see. You look at the schedule and it's just like, okay, okay you, you know, you have January and February. And February is a, you know, it's a pretty stacked run. You're playing Tuesday, Saturday every single week for eight games there. So there will be plenty of time for that speculation. Maybe they'll get hot and surprise us. But let's just talk about some of the individual performances in that K-State TCU game. I want to start with the disappointing First off, I'm just going to keep the depression train going. Selton Miguel played 28 minutes, and he went 0 of 6 from the field, only two rebounds, only two assists, and that is super disappointing. Again, true freshman, but, man, Selton Miguel, you can't have games like that if you if you want to win. We're not going to win games like that. And, again, it's not like he's been a burner. If you look at what he's been able to do just scoring-wise – I mean, if you go back, Omaha 11, Jacksonville 7, Baylor 14, Iowa State 8, Milwaukee 7, Fort Hayes 10, and then he's not even above six rest of the way. And, and that's fine. Salt Miguel is who he is. Uh, but you can't have a starting lineup with a dude scoring zero points, especially if you don't get anything from the bench. And, again, he had the game-winning shot versus Iowa State. He's had big moments, and you can see the flashes, and he has athleticism, and he can get to the rim. But when it's not falling for him, it it it, it really sucks to have a guy who, at least stat-wise, is not giving you much. He had four fouls, but again, he didn't even get you that many assists. He didn't get you very many rebounds, especially in a game where we were so hurt on the boards, especially since he is kind of playing that four. I know he's a guard, but... You need him to try to grab some more rebounds being put in that situation that we were. And then the next bat is, and I understand, hey, you only have three guys off the bench, but you only got three points off the bench. So if you're going to have a guy scoring zero in your starting lineup and your bench only giving you three points, I don't think you're going to win because guess what? The other four guys are in double figures. If you would have told me before the game, Davion Bradford, Nigel Pack, Dejuan Gordon, Mike McGraw were all going to be in double-figure scoring, I would have taken it. I would have thought that you are going to win. Um, sadly, that wasn't the case. It's disappointing. Uh, you hate to see it, but, you know, it is what it is. Carlton Lingard only played eight, eight minutes, 0-4 from the field, did get three rebounds. But, you know, I think the shine of Carlton Lingard, you know, surprising everyone in that Iowa State game, is kind of worn off a little bit, um, you know. It, it it when you see him what score ten, I think that was all in the first half versus Iowa State, and then he got seven versus Omaha and Jacksonville. You started thinking, all right, you know, here's this guy. Maybe it was an off night because you know only getting one point going 0-4 from the field is the anomaly for his game. But in a game like yesterday, it just it just really hurts. Uh, that you couldn't get more out of him. Uh, Monte Murphy, he came back, first game back, seven minutes, only one rebound. He he isn't up to speed. You need to get him up to speed before that Iowa State game. you got to find a way to win that game. Um, so keep easing him into it versus Texas Tech, but hopefully he is back and ready. And then Rudy Williams, 21 minutes, uh, one of four from the field. Nothing spectacular, but he had to play 21 minutes because of the bench situation. Um Rudy Williams having a game like that and 
Uh, also, Salt Miguel having a game like that, it, it makes you really anxious to see Luke Kasupki get out there to just see what he has because I think that he is going to be a very good player for K-State and not having him does hurt. I don't think he's going to be the magic one that fi- fixes everything because, again, anytime TCU needed a bucket, they got a bucket. Uh, you know, we we weren't stopping them. Um Nempard had 21, so I don't. Luke Kasupki isn't stopping him from scoring that. He's not winning that game, but it does give you a little bit more, hopefully, of an offensive punch uh, when you have, you know, at least on the offensive end, some black holes playing so much for you. Um, it was a bad game. Uh, it was mismanaged. Uh, you know, I. I don't know. It just it just sucks because you really wanted to win that game and scoring 60 points isn't going to do it. Uh, and, you know, it just it just sucks. We'll move on uh, to some mediocre, um, a, a real hot topic in on Twitter uh, message boards post game was that final possession where you get that timeout and Bruce calls that alley uh, lob to Davion Bradford. I saw some people hating on that. I thought it was a good call. You get that bucket, you're, you get the game within two. Um, hopefully you get a stop. If not, you live to fight another day. Um, I thought it was a good call. I thought it was a fine effort. It was average from McGurl, I think, is the one who threw the lob, and average from Davion who tried to get it. Um, earlier in the game, they tried to run that same set, and it got swatted away. So I think that caused Mike McGurl put, to put a little bit more pepper on it than he usually would want to what you'd want him to do in that situation. And Davion got a hand on it. He, I think he tipped it up, got it up near the rim, uh, but you'd like to see him convert on it anyways. Uh, so that's disappointing, but I don't have any major qualms with that. Um, I do probably have some qualms like in the first half when and Davion was scoring in the first half, but you know, I, I, I felt like they just continued to, try to force it too much in the first half. Um, but, you know, I you can't really hate hate on for, going to a guy, you know, Davion, we'll move into what's good. Davion Bradford, 14-9, and nine, almost a double-double. Again, he was the second-leading scorer. A lot of that came in the first half, but he we haven't seen a true center play like that in a really long time. And, again, I, I – that might be discounting DJ and Gip and even J.O. a little bit, but Davion Bradford's doing this type of stuff as a true freshman. He's a true seven-footer. He's going to get better conditioned. He's going to get better defending at the rim. I think that this guy has the potential, at least in my lifetime, to be the best true center that we have. And again, I know Curtis Kelly played some time there. I think uh, even Michael Beasley played some time at the center position. I don't consider those guys true centers. And again, in the world of basketball, maybe they're moving away from true centers and all that type of stuff. But I enjoy watching Davion play. He has a good motor. He needs to be smarter. I think he commits some fouls that he doesn't need to. And because of that, he was out for long stretches of time when we really could have used him. Uh, And, well, I say long stretches. He played 30 minutes, which honestly probably is the max that you can expect him to play. So I take that back. But I was very pleased with him. Six of ten from the field. Again, I don't I don't know what the future is going to hold for him. But he's doing that versus you know a a team you know that has some decent forwards in TCU. So I, I'm 
very excited to see what the future holds for him. Um, Dejuan Gordon, he definitely was the player of the game. He has that bulldog mentality. He has that chippiness that he, I mean, he was chirping with the TCU bench almost the entire game. And in the post game, he said, that's just basketball. And I agree with him. I love that. I love that fire from Dejuan. And after starting the season very slow, I have been very pleased with what Dejuan has started to do. You know, 18 points. I guess he only had six versus Omaha, but he had 13 versus Jacksonville, only eight versus um, Baylor, but 15 versus Iowa State. I think he's starting to come into his own. I think he's starting to find what his role is. It's that scrappiness. And once he can lock in on defense, I think that he could be that guy where you say, hey, go get me a stop. He's not there yet, uh, but he is scrappy. He does all the you know, people hate to talk about it, but he does the play hard chart stuff well. He's getting on the ground. He's getting loose balls. He's getting steals. He had seven rebounds. And again, there were times, especially when TC was grabbing those offensive rebounds, he was trying his damnedest, but, you know, he's getting, you know, jumped over by guys that are, you know, six, seven, eight inches taller than him. You, you got to have Davion. You ha- had to have Sultan. You had to have Lingard when he was out there be able to get a body and get those offensive rebounds because ultimately that was what ended up being the dagger on that, you know, comeback bid. But, uh, you know, Dejuan, he played 36 minutes, had the seven rebounds, had the three assists. I was very pleased with the game that he had. Seven of 13 from the field, two of six from three. No one was great from three. We were 28% from three, 36, or 37% from the field, they were 45 from field, 23 from three. So it's not like they were great outside of that super hot start. But again, you get up by 18 on K-State, uh, you know, you're probably gonna, going to be able to see that game out. Um, next one, uh, Nigel Pack. He got super hot. And what sucks, he, he hit three three-pointers in a row, but there was a moving screen that took that, that third one away, which ended up also... Uh, stopping us from getting it within two when we were on that run. And that's that's disappointing. He missed all his other three-point attempts. So he's two of five from three. He was five of 11 from the field. Ended up with 12 points, two assists. It was good to see Nigel Pack get hot, make some shots. And again, uh, he's shooting the ball quite a bit. I mean, 11 times, I guess that isn't that crazy. I mean, that's what, third third most shots of the, on the team? That's probably about where you want him to be. Played 33 minutes. Uh, When it comes to Nigel, though, he's getting cooked on defense far too much. Again, true freshman, but if you want to win games, you can't make that excuse because you have too many freshmen. You have too many unexperienced guys. So uh, Nigel, he's he's been good on offense. I think he's going to be a very good player in the future for us if he sticks around, but just not – what you want to see on defense. Hopefully he gets there. Hopefully we see some big steps in the month of January and see what happens in February with him when it comes to defense. Um, Final guy, he played 37 minutes. He's the only senior. Mike McGurl got 13 points. He was three of eight from three, five of 17 from uh, the field, had six assists and also four rebounds. Mike McGurl is having a much better season than what I anticipate he's been, you know, our best player on the year and not to throw shade at Mike McGurl, but if he's the best player on your team, I don't think that 
uh, you're going to win a lot of Big 12 games. He's productive, and he's getting you buckets, and he's making some plays. But if you could have Mike McGurl be a complementary piece to a team, that's a team that could contend for middle of the Big 12, contend for some postseason play, contend for that type of stuff. But if he is your go-to guy, I don't think you can get to – uh, postseason, I don't think you're going to finish in the middle of the pack of the Big 12, and I, I just don't see it. That's not to take away from him. I mean, talk about grit. 37 minutes, he's hardly ever coming out. He's hitting some of those big shots, but then, you know, some of them don't go in, and that's just what you're going to get with Mike McGraw. I mean, you're shooting, what, 30, not even 33% from the field in that game, 5 of 17 from the field. Again, I, I'm I'm happy he's able to get the points, but that's not an efficient night. It's not an efficient night at all. You're shooting below the team average. Um, So, again, it's not like anyone was lighting it up. But Nigel, even as much as I kind of turned my nose up at his night, he shot better from the field. Dejuan shot better from the field. Davion shot better better from the field. Of course, no one on the bench did. Um, But McGurl, I mean, fourth best shooting percentage. Uh, You don't want to see that from the guy who's shooting the most. Again, I understand it. Uh, if your usage rate is up, you're probably going to see some of those uh, field goal percentages come down, especially since he's the guy taking the end of the shot clock three, which I know the fan base hates. There's still too many possessions where nothing really happens and you're having to chuck up a three late. Um, I understand it, but if you're going to be shooting that much, you, you want Mike McGurl to have a higher percentage. But again, he, he's giving his all out there, and especially – uh, you know, he's the only senior. He, he has a lot on his plate. I get it. Um, but but you need your the guy who's taking the most shots on your team to be better than that. And Mike just quite isn't there. So very disappointing. Again, TCU 67-60. to 60. Uh, You had four scores and double figures. You had some good moments from, you know, a lot of the guys. But um, it just isn't enough to get wins. And uh, eventually that just – isn't enough for a program like K-State. Um, it's a historic program. It's it's a program that needs to be in the NCAA tournament, needs to be contending for the top end of the Big 12, and we're getting two years back-to-back where you're nowhere close to that. So disappointment is only going to continue to build. That sucks. It sucks a lot, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what more I can say on basketball. Before we move into some of the football news, again, we want to give another shout-out to Bet Online. Again, Wild Card Weekend is this Saturday and Sunday. It's probably the best professional football gambling weekend of the year, and especially since now you get an extra game. I couldn't imagine being anywhere other than Bet Online. Use promo code ARMCHAIR. Get over there today. If you send me a bet slip, and it doesn't even have to be from NFL Wild Card Weekend. Send me a bet slip from any bet online wager you place this week. I will send you a Bosco's Boys koozie. So get over to bet online. Use promo code armchair so you can take advantages of those bonus. Have a little fun wagering in 2021. Also, ho, 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 fellas. Did you get presents from Santa? If you didn't, get yourself a gift over at manscaped.com. If you use promo code armchair, you're going to get 20% off anything in their store. 
Just the other day, I used the Lawnmower 3.0 to trim up the hair on my entire body. And you've heard me say it before, no nicks or snags, no cuts. It was perfect. Also, I got the Weed Whacker for myself, the 9,000 RPM Lithium Blade Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. And guys, I'm not kidding. It, it literally changed everything. Being able to trim up all my pesky nose hairs made all the difference. 79% of partners polled said that nose and ear hair is a total turnoff. So make sure you get that all trimmed up. They also have all the spritzes, lotion sprays that you could want for your junk. Also your nasty smelly feet. And I have to give one more shout out to the Beck's Boss yeah, best boxer briefs in the world. I'm currently wearing mine. They don't say anything about the ad copy that they give us. I'm going rogue because I seriously believe in their boxer briefs that much. They are the most comfortable things in the world. I'm going to get all my friends boxer briefs this year for their birthdays. You should too. Use promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping. And that's 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. Okay. Football, uh, you know, it, it's going to – every week is going to be eventful up until uh, spring enrollment cutoff because all throughout college football, uh, we're seeing basically free agency because there is a no penalty to sit out. I think that is going to be rogue season. I think everything is going to be crazy. I, I don't know what is going to continue to happen, but uh, – I, I think this year is only going to be unprecedented when it comes to transfers. I think a lot of kids, honestly, I, I feel bad. I think a lot of them are going to realize that they made the wrong call and that they have to step down, you know, from P5 to G5, G5 to FCS, FCS down to, to Division Two in some cases. I, I don't think that a lot of these kids are getting good advice. I don't think a lot of them are um, – Thinking it through, I think that it sucks. I think that this first class of free transfers is going to be um, a bad thing. And I think that folks will learn from it. I don't think we'll ever see it this bad. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, K-State did benefit, though. They, I think since the last time we talked, K-State has gotten two uh, two transfers. And I think that they're both going to be Bigger impact guys. I know we talked, I think it was Munoz, the linebacker. That uh, That is an interesting one, to say the least. But it, I think it was, oh, I don't even know what day it was. Um, no, it was, it was on New Year's Eve. So K-State got a defensive back transfer from Louisville, Russ Yeast. So this is a former four-star guy who has played this he's going to come in as a senior he played four years at louisville he played in every single game uh while he was at louisville he started every single game as a sophomore and junior he also started games as freshman and senior he can play corner he can play safety this is a massive get for k-state this is one of the most highly coveted defensive backs in the transfer portal I know some folks were starting to get down a little bit 
after the initial flurry of transfers that you only got one linebacker from Utah State who has had a curious career, and you're thinking that might be more of just a depth piece. Um, but this guy, Ruskies, he could start at safety. He could start at corner. He could probably even start nickelback for this team, especially with the news that A.J. Parker is going to pursue an NFL career. Uh, this was a massive pickup for our secondary. I think that you still could find another uh, defensive back in the transfer portal because I think you need help at uh, safety and corner uh, or nickelback because I think Echo Boydo can slide inside if you need him to. Uh, so I, I think you, you still need to find another defensive back in the portal, but, but getting this guy who is – uh, was as highly coveted as any of them, was a massive a massive thing for Coach Kleiman and the staff. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that we will look back on this as a great grad transfer get. The other one was defensive tackle Timothy Horn. So this guy's coming to us from Charlotte, and I think he actually was on the team back when uh, Charlotte came to K-State uh, what year was that, uh, man? Now I can't. I think that was in Bill Snyder, uh, Bill Snyder's last year. Uh, but he is a massive dude. He is a big boy. He committed on Boxing Day on the twenty sixth. He is six foot five, three eighteen. He has that extra year remaining. And this is a guy who's going to slide into that nose guard position. Uh, I'm excited to see him. He was a productive dude for Charlotte. I think taking him uh, is what you want to do. You want to take productive transfers. Russ Yeast is one of those rare like power five guys who has been productive for four years that's assigned to transfer. That's why he was so highly coveted. That's why I'm so pumped we got him. But you know, grabbing Timothy Horn, or Timmy Horn as I'm going to call him, uh, is, is massive because he shores up a depth position in a spot that K-State has been so good. K-State has been very good at that nose guard position, basically dating back to uh, when, you know, Will Geary started taking over that position. That has been a strength for K-State ever since then. Uh, and I, I don't think Timmy Horn is going to be any different. You're going to see him along with Pickle. I think that the defensive line is being shored up. If you can get an instant impact defensive end or maybe even another defensive tackle with multiple years of eligibility, you'd take them. But I think that you are done and you are good at the defensive line spot. So um, I, I think that there will still, especially in the next three, four weeks, I think you're still going to continue to see transfers happening i think you still need a wide receiver i think if you see an instant impact tight end i think you take him i think you take the best linebacker uh available maybe probably don't take two but you have to take an instant impact linebacker you take an instant impact uh secondary player or even a, a depth secondary piece you still need that then from there take a best available in the portal preferably with multiple years um, you know, the linebacker, if you can get a linebacker with multiple years, that'd be massive. You're still waiting on uh, Cody Fletcher. But, you know, after that, you're still waiting on some of these young linebackers to pan out. You still haven't had a linebacker pan out. And we know the situation of what was left over 
um, depth-wise. You didn't have a single young linebacker left over except for Daniel Green when this staff took over. So you're going to have to find um, – you're going to have to find more linebackers. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm trying to pull up um, – Seniors who you're still waiting on decisions for. So AJ Parker announced on Saturday that he will be going. You're still waiting to hear from Tyler Burns, uh, Justin Eichmann, Cody Fletcher, Noah Johnson, Blake Lynch, DJ Render, Keandre Thomas, Drew Wiley. Um, I'll be honest, of that list, I the only guys I would be interested in keeping around are Cody Fletcher, Keandre Thomas, and Drew Wiley. Uh, maybe Noah Johnson, maybe Blake Lynch, but I think that there's young guys that you can move on from those two guys and start moving forward, especially Noah Johnson. And he had some good games. He had some moments, and he was a leader. But you have a lot of very young, good interior offensive linemen. So I don't think – I I would put Blake Lynch in front of Noah Johnson. I do think Noah Johnson may come back, though. Um, so we'll see. Keandre Thomas um, – especially if you can't find another cornerback or safety uh, in the transfer portal, I'd be all for bringing him back. He wasn't elite by any means, but he was serviceable. He had some good moments. And then Drew Wiley, I'm shocked he hasn't announced that he isn't going to return. I I believe he has a pretty great uh, real-life job waiting for him out in the real world. Um, but he hasn't announced yet, so I'm – I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because if he decided to come back, uh, the interior of the t- defensive line is going to be absolutely nasty with him, Timmy Horn, uh, Eli Huggins, uh, Pickle. I mean, you're going to have some monsters in there. So if he comes back, you know, I'm, I'm going to take him with open arms. So all those decisions should be coming again probably here within the next two, three weeks. Um, especially if some of these guys have already have their degree. They have to decide if they're going to enroll in classes for the spring semester or not. So um, when decision com- decisions come, we will touch on them. Final bit of news, and uh, I'll save uh, I'll save it for the end. Uh, there's another locket coming to K-State, uh, Sterling Lockett, class of 2022, the third commit in the class of 2022. All of them are Kansans, uh, which I know Taylor Bratt loves. I know – uh, he is the biggest champion of the Kansas and Kansas City kids in all of college football. Um, I think if he had it his way, the entire 2022 class would probably be all kids from Kansas or Kansas City Metro. Um, and honestly, if there's ever a year you're going to do it, you, you probably could pull it off this year. I think it's going to be a smaller class between 15 and 18, um, just based on scholarship numbers. Um, so, so honestly, you probably could pull it off. Uh but, you know, if, if you have the name Lockett coming from the Lockett family dynasty, you're going to have to take him. I'm not going to pretend to be some awesome scout, but Sterling's a two-star. Uh, I think he's still growing. I think he's still maturing. But I think that if you took a snapshot of all the Lockets of Kevin, Aaron, and Tyler, if you took snapshots of them uh, before going into their senior year of high school, I think you would say Sterling is behind them all uh, by a pretty wide margin. I think that, uh, I mean, everyone's trying to say that the Lockets have this history of late development, and hopefully Sterling is the same, and he has a big one. Um, Kellis Robinette, friend of the pod, recurring guest of the pod, had a great article with Kevin and Sterling 
Kevin talks about how smart Sterling is and he can break down different coverages and all that type of stuff. That's what he's going to need. He doesn't have elite speed. I don't think he has elite hands by any means either, but he's a good route runner. He's a smart kid. I think that if you're going to place wagers, you'd place wagers at, on Sterling Lockett being a productive member of the K-State football team. Um, but it, but but I don't want folks to take his last name and put undue pressure and expectations on this kid because you know Tyler came in and had big moments as a true freshman. Kevin, for the longest time, was one of the greatest wide receivers in the history of the program. I think Aaron Lockett, because of, you know, the injury he took while he was a returner, and I think because his brother was Kevin and his nephew was Tyler, gets overshadowed. But he, you know, statistics-wise, is a top five, six wide receiver in K-State history. You know, I I think that uh, when you look at all that, I think that's going to put a ton of pressure on this young kid, Sterling. And he seems mature and he seems smart. So hopefully he is able to deal with that pressure. Um, and I think he will. But I think that fans see Lockett. They see the graphics being put out of the fam- fam- family dynasty. I think they're putting a lot of pressure on this kid um, that maybe they, maybe they shouldn't be. But but again, I've been wrong. I'm not a talent evaluator. Um, but I, I think I'm echoing stuff that talent evaluators do say. Um, but we'll see. I think uh, I think if there's one thing that uh, has happened over the history of K-State football, it's that Lockett's find a way to be all Big 12-type perf- performer. So we'll see. It is exciting to see the 2022 class start to come to fruition. I think you're still going to hear a name or two for the 2021 class. Um, I think more Kansas kids. And, again, um, I think this staff is getting some – some pushback from fans about uh, where they are recruiting. And I think when you see what Iowa state's been able to do and you see the random four or five star receivers, KU brings in from Dallas because they have uh, Elliot, their wide receiver coach who used to coach at skyline. And you see what Oklahoma state does. I think you're starting to see and feel some pressure from the fan base when it comes to recruiting. And I get that you need to find a way to be consistently top 40, but I do think that there is something to be said of grabbing the power five caliber Kansas kids, um, which is something that the previous staff didn't always do. And I think that if this staff can really uh, take the, the lion's share of guys in this amazing class, the class of 2022, might be the best Kansas class ever. You know, 2020 was a good one. There were some good ones in the early 2000s, but this class, 2022 class in Kansas, is a very good class. If you're bringing in a lot of these guys, um, I think that's going to be a great catalyst for, you know, this recruiting class and to set yourself up to compete with the next four or five star who comes up in the state of Kansas. Um so I think that's important, and I'm going to put trust in Taylor Bratton, this recruiting staff, to bring them home. So, yeah, so I, I don't think taking any of these guys right now is a bad thing. We'll see what happens. I think 2022 kids are going to be jumping on even earlier because no one knows how many spots are going to be available for these kids because of all the roster rules. Um, and I think that's unfair to the 2022 kids. I think they're going to be the ones most affected by this. I think things will course correct. Uh, in 2023, but um, I think 2022 kids are going to be jumping on spots early 
and uh, I think you're going to see a big trickle-down effect. So hopefully K-State can be the beneficiary of some of that. So that's all we have for the first show of 2021. Welcome to 2021. Can't believe we've been doing this for so long. Uh, we love you guys. Happy New Year. Uh, Grant got kicked off Twitter again. I don't know if Grant's ever going to be able to be on Twitter. He brought back a uh, new Twitter account, not Grant underscore KSU, and then he got uh, kicked off Twitter for that. I don't know if he even tweeted anything. I think uh, the Twitter FBI has his IP address or something uh, because they take their banning very seriously. So uh, just me on Twitter. I think if you tweet at Bosco's boys, if you need to get in touch with Grant, he will be able to see it. Hopefully he doesn't get that Twitter account locked and uh, taken away with his IP address being red flagged by Twitter or however they're catching him. So we love you guys. Happy New Year. Thanks for riding with us in 2021. We're going to have fun this year and uh, meet Grant at the Cathead. Good old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind should all acquaintance be forgot and days of old lang Podcast Network.